tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Wait, there's no what? lasers in TNT. Ching, 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 ching. Anna, ching. you're like that guy. You're like that guy who does Michael, the sound effects. Michael Winslow or something? Buble. Or... What? What? It's not unusual <laughs> to be loved by anyone. That's, that's not no, Michael That's like Buble. Tom something, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my, What's Tom Jones? <laughs> doom, 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 bing. Oh, it's copyrighted. We can't sing it. Right, right. You yeah. all met everything. Um... Do you remember that song, Everything? Hold on. Side side moment, guys. That song, Everything. If you're all the good stuff, aren't you also the bad stuff? Yes. You're my diarrhea. <laughs> you're my <laughs> you're my heart disease. You're my shingles. Not the kind you put on a roof. <laughs> <laughs> you're my COVID-19. Okay. Um, welcome back, students. Sorry, we're a little loopy. Um, today, we are talking all about lasers no i'm kidding we're talking <laughs> <laughs> we're talking all about combat, combat. and fighting in D. <gasps> so anna what does it mean to engage in combat hmm. in D and D? let's talk about war what is it good for all's fair in war but just not war only just war, war. <laughs> yep no such thing as a war crime <laughs> yep geneva well, convention who <laughs> We are we're way off the rails today, students. It happens. <laughs> so combat mm-hmm. is a really important part of play, right? Yeah. Okay, so usually when you set out as adventurers, you have maybe a goal in mind. Maybe you're searching for a particular treasure. Maybe you just want to go out there and explore and see what the world has to offer. But yeah. chances are, danger awaits. And sometimes that danger can come in the form of other humanoids. Sometimes it can be in the form of monsters. Sometimes it can be in the form of uncorporeal globs of Ooh, magical uncorporeal. goo. We're making up words. Yeah. <laughs> Non-corporeal? Incorporeal. Incorporeal. I there it is. <laughs> sometimes made up words appear in the sky. Yeah. I'm going to create that homebrew. Yes. Just like, it, it's like a floating like cloud that turns into different incorrectly spelled words. <laughs> and, you have to, and every time you look at it and you have to make an intelligence save. I love it. Um, so, yeah, you know, combat is and, fighting stuff. Yeah. And to get past it, you got to fight it. Or yeah. you got to figure out a way to get around it. Or to convince mm-hmm. it to get on your side. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that can happen, but at some point or another, you are going to enter into a combat. Right. So, Joe, would you like to describe to us what a combat can look like? Sure. Well, I think it's important maybe to go off of what you just said, Anna, is that you don't always have to engage in fighting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes during these tense situations, the way that D&D is played in these situations is that the DM will call for initiative. Now, the DM will say, okay, everyone roll for initiative. That just means who is acting first in the scenario. Um, but importantly, just because a DM says roll for initiative, that doesn't mean that you then have to start attacking like 
like Anna and her party did. Anna didn't do this. The party did <laughs> and kill a bunch of owl bears in a cave. Um, <laughs> you can you can you just options. choose. Yeah, you can choose to run. You can choose to try and talk it down and like try and convince it you don't mean it harm. Like initiative is just a method of letting everyone have a turn. Um, and it, it's just sort of a method of, of like uh, it, it's a function of how you play the game. Um, but one of the most important things to understand. So let's put all those other issues aside, right? Cause all that stuff is dealing with um, role-playing and ability checks, right? Like, are you trying to persuade someone mm-hmm. to do something? And really that's just sort of putting initiative on top of it, but the much more common use of initiative is for combat. So let's put aside the other stuff. Let's say you're, you're you know, dead set. Your yeah, you've tried, or maybe you didn't try. You just decided murder is the best option, and you want to fight it. Let's do or it. an owl bear, mm-hmm. and you're going to kill that. <laughs> so we've thrown around the word initiative, and I know we've right. described what it is before, and I know that we've talked about how you calculate it before. But by way of review, when your DM says roll for initiative, it means you roll your d20, and then you add your dexterity modifier to it. Yeah. And sometimes um, just like remember, there's always like potentially some buffs to it. So jack of all trades, which is a bard ability, you actually get to add half your proficiency modifier to your initiative rolls. Um, there are certain subclasses um, like a swashbuckler rogue. You can actually add your charisma score to your dexterity mm. modifier in coming up with your initiative role so um initiative can really vary wildly and also like if you're using the revised ranger for example um that gives you at first level advantage on initiative roles so important just to know that there are certain ways you can sort of like buff yourself up um when rolling for initiative absolutely so you've rolled for initiative you're not the only one rolling your dm's gonna roll for the enemy that you're fighting or whoever you're fighting. And then um, you're going to make a list and you're going to make an order from highest to lowest. And that's going to create the order in which you take your turns. Now, the important thing to keep in mind here is that even if there are, you know, five of you is PCs and three monsters. So we've got eight people total on the, on the ground and you have your order one through eight, everything you do in a turn happens in the same six seconds what yeah trippy what? <laughs> so yeah. even though a round or a turn may actually take you like 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky yep that all happens in the same six seconds yeah it's crazy to think about, but D&D, like, yes, you're moving from person to person, but in theory, everything is happening simultaneously. It's just impossible to recreate that and, and have it be part of a game and have it be fun. So we have an, a turn order, but every round of combat is six seconds of time in the world that you're playing in. Um, and that is, Anna brings up like, that is a crucial point of combat. So when you look at spells, you might think, oh, this spell only lasts a minute. That sucks. Well, a minute is 10 rounds of right. combat. I, I don't even know. I've probably only been in maybe one or two combats my entire time playing D&D that have lasted a full 10 rounds. Absolutely. Like, it is exceedingly rare. Um, even in like you're watching Critical Role or something, like all of their, even their big combats will finish long before 10 rounds is up. Mm-hmm. So, so that should also really inform like how you go about acting and and just know, like, yeah, if you want to set up some really cool thing where you cast this spell and do this and do whatever, just know 
the the combat might be over in a few rounds. Right. You might not have time to do all of those things. And so that's another thing to remember is that um, you have options, right? Every time it's your turn, you have certain things that you can and can't do. And there's a reason that you're limited in the amount of things that you can do because your turn is only supposed to last six seconds. And because everything is happening simultaneously, the amount of conversation or interaction you can have with your other players is also kind of limited because it's all happening at the same time. Right. Yeah. So it, at 10,000 foot level, combat is exactly what you think it is. You all take turns pursuant to the initiative order. You cast spells, you fight, you attack, you do whatever. And then at the end of of some of X number of rounds, either you or the enemies will be dead, <laughs> defeated, they'll run away, or you will have convinced them maybe mid-combat to stand down. Um, but Anna, why don't we get into maybe some of the nitty-gritty about what you can actually do on a turn in combat. Okay. Um, and this gets into, I have this little handy dandy sheet that I gave to all of my players. I, to every new player, I give them this sheet because it is so helpful. There are five things and only five things <laughs> that, that you can do, or, or I should say there are five categories of things that you can do in a turn that you could do every turn. Um, the important restriction on that is that not every class or character will have access to all of these different things. Right. So I think let's just lay them all out and then maybe we'll go at them one by one. So first up, you have an action. Then you might have access to a bonus action. You can move. You can interact with the environment, with another person. And then potentially, either on your turn or at some point during the round, you can react to something. So action, bonus action, movement, interaction, reaction. So Anna, why don't we start with action? What? Now we've heard through Raw School, we've heard about action a lot, right? You can take the attack action, mm -hmm. the hide action, yada, yada, yada. But now we're going to see how this actually plays out in combat. So... Do you want to tell our lovely pupils what an action is? Absolutely. So we went through and we broke down, you know, what kind of equipment you can have, what kind of spells you can have. And if you'll remember when we were talking about spells, um, we asked you to note that sometimes the casting time says one action and sometimes it says one bonus action. This is what determines like your choices. So when you take an action, that can be engaging in a melee attack with a with an enemy. It can mean shooting off a ranged weapon. It can mean casting a spell that has a casting time of one action. It can mean choosing to hide. It can mean choosing to disengage with the enemy. It can mean choosing to uh, dash. There are a lot of different things. Like action probably has the biggest pool of things that you can do because it's the most important thing you're going to do, right? Like this is how you defeat the other side. What Absolutely. action are you taking? Yeah. So breaking those down, probably one of the most common actions will be the attack action. So you use a weapon um, and it can be a melee or a range, depending on how close or far away you are from your enemy. And you shoot your weapon. So if you have a longbow and you're further away from an enemy, then you'll roll to attack based on the stats of your longbow. If you're or your right laser, if you have a laser. <laughs> yes, modified longbow <laughs> shoots out lasers. Exactly. 
if you're right next to the enemy and you have a long sword, maybe that's what you're using and you engage in a melee attack. So then you roll your d20 and add your long sword stats to determine if the attack hits. Would you like to talk to us about spells, Joe? Sure. Yeah. Casting a spell. It's really simple. Look, every spell that you have in D&D will have a casting time. So if the casting time says one action, then you can use it as your action in combat. Just be careful because some spells might take a minute to cast. There are spells that take an hour. There are spells that take 24 hours of casting time. (laughs) So you do not want to use that. (laughs) Your DM should not allow you to use the 24 hour casting time in combat. But if if he's evil, then he'll say, sure, sure, go ahead. See what happens. And I am. (laughs) Um, But uh, now it's important to note that let's say you start casting a spell and you're like, crap, this has a minute casting time. You can stop it your next turn. You don't have to continue. You just lose that spell. Um, but yeah, just look at the spell's description um, and make sure that it has this casting time of one action. And then there's there's a bunch of other things you can do. You can dash, which is doubling your movement speed. Right. You can hide. So if you want to, you know, duck down behind behind a pillar or or duck behind like a building or around a corner or something to kind of give you advantage on the next attack that you take on your next turn, then that's an action you can take. You can hide. Yeah. You can, you can use the help action, which in, in combat can take two forms. You can help someone do something, right? So like maybe there's as part of the combat, you have to move an object um, and get it to a certain point before the enemy does. Um, Yeah. Maybe you're going to go up and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to help the barbarian do this and give the barbarian advantage on that ability check. Um, But you can also faint in not F-A-I-N-T, but (laughs) F-E-I-N-T in uh, in D&D. Also, you could faint though. And you could just fall over. Oh, oh, clutch my pearls. Um, uh, no, but you could go up and like start dancing in front of the enemy next to one of your um, uh, compatriots and give them advantage on their attack. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things you can do as actions and really just, you know, check out uh, the, the combat section of the player's handbook um, and just look at all the different things you can do. You can take the dodge action, mm-hmm. which gives other characters disadvantage on attacks against you. So say you're trying to like you're holding an object and like part of the combat is literally just to hold the object and keep it safe. And it's your turn to hold it. Hot, you know, hot potato, basically. Maybe you want to take the dodge action and just like la, 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 like <laughs> like jump around, jump around, skipping around. Yeah. And just make it hard for the enemy to hit you. So the most important thing there is to familiarize yourself with the combat chapter in the player's handbook, to familiarize yourself with your your own character's character sheet so you know what you, you are capable of, which right. weapons you can use, what spells you can use, if you even have them, um, what little extra bonuses maybe your DM gave you or, yeah. you know, as part of your class or your background or your race, any extra bump that that's given you, making sure you understand what you can can and cannot do as an action. Right. And and it, it, like, for example, one thing that we didn't talk about, but that is absolutely an action that's determined by your class is something like wild shape. In order to wild shape, unless you're a moon druid, that's going to consume your whole action. So you really want to think ahead before you go ahead and use wild shape. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, funny that you mentioned think ahead, because oh. one of the most important things in combat to help it move along smoothly and as efficiently as possible is to use the time that it's not your turn to play to think about what you want to do when it gets to you. 
Right. And sometimes this can change based on what the other players do. Like if you in your mind have decided, okay, I'm going to aim for this guy and this is the action I'm going to take. But before it gets to you, your friends have already killed that guy and then you have to move on to another enemy. That can, of course, change as the battle continues. But it's really important to have a really good basic understanding of what your capabilities are so that when it comes to your turn, you can keep the battle and combat moving along by knowing what you're going to do next. Absolutely. And you can actually hold an action, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Just know that you do have the option to hold an action and use it at a different time. Um, so now we've talked about actions, but so now let's move down to probably the second most important one, bonus actions. So a bonus action, it's important to note that not everyone will have access to bonus actions. It just depends. Do you have spells that are bonus actions? Do you have abilities like like a barbarian's rage is a bonus action? You only get access to a bonus action if it is available for your class and all of the abilities that you have. And what's important to note here is that just as Joe said, not everyone has access to bonus actions. Not all bonus actions are useful at every turn and you are not required to take a bonus action, right? So just as it's called a bonus action, that means that if you don't want to use it, you don't have to, if all you want to do is move fine. If all you want to do is do a melee (laughs) attack, great. You have the option to take whatever action you want, and you're not right. required to do anything else. Right. Absolutely. Um, just like some some common ones that'll come up. So there are spells that can be cast as a bonus action. Some popular ones are healing word, which is a first level healing spell. Um, uh, spiritual weapon is a second level uh, spell. The shillelagh, the druid cantrip is a bonus action. So just, again, look at the spell's description. It will say one bonus action and, and if it says that, then you can use it as a bonus action. Sometimes your class will give you interesting other bonus mm. actions. So if you play a bard, you can, you can do something called bardic inspiration, which means that you can say inspiring words or sing a song as a bonus action and then grant one of your comrades or yourself uh, to be inspired by your bardic abilities and then they get a you know a dice of a certain amount to add to their attack rolls or to their saving throws or whatever um, and that that can be a bonus action and that is only bard specific right so pay attention to what your class features are because they may grant you extra bonus actions that you can use on your turns Absolutely. Another common one, rogues. They have cunning action at second level. You can dodge, dash, or hide as a bonus action, which is so important because if you successfully hide from an enemy in combat, you get advantage on on an attack against them if they don't spot you. So, And for a rogue, if you have advantage, you get to use sneak attack. Mm -hmm. So it all adds together. So really just take a look at your character sheet and become familiar with that. Um, Another one is if you're you're dual wielding, you have two weapons, one in each hand, you can make an offhand attack as a bonus action um, and uh, with some some conditions there. So Anna, you mentioned, so that's bonus actions, right? So you mentioned move. Do you want to talk about movement? Sure. Yes. So um, when you pick your race, it will tell you in the race's description um, what the movement speed is. So it'll say what your speed is and it'll say, you know, 30 feet, 35 feet, 40 feet, 
What that means is that when you're working on a map, it's usually going to be a gridded map, whether that's hexagons or squares or however your DM wants to do it. Um, But your movement, each square that you move is going to be five feet. Mm-hmm. And your monsters or your enemies or whatever aren't all going to magically appear immediately in front of you. <laughs> They're going to appear where they are, right? And you're going to be where you are. And that may not always be right next to what you're fighting. So what happens is in each turn that you take, the speed that you were given from your race is how many squares you can move. So if each square is five feet and your maximum movement is 30, then you can only move six squares. You know, if you can move 35 feet, then that's seven squares, 40 feet. You, you, you see what I'm saying here. But what that means is that you can't always in a turn get to exactly where you want to go. You're limited by the amount of speed that you have. Right. So if as your movement, you move 30 feet and then you take the action to dash, you get to add another 30 feet to that. So if you want to do nothing on your turn, then to get to where you want to go, you can do that by moving up to 60 feet, depending on what your race is. Yeah. It's it's important, though, to note that not all five foot squares or rather not all squares on a map might be treated equally. You might let, let's say you're in a marsh and you're on dirt. But to get to the enemy, you have to run through marshy land. That might be something called difficult terrain, which means it costs double movement to move through it. So that's every square is 10 feet, which sucks. <laughs> um, so just be mindful of the types of uh, the types of things that are on your battle map and the type of terrain you're fighting in. Another important point is that if you want to climb something, that's also going to take twice as much speed unless you have a climbing speed. Same goes for swimming. If you're if you're in the water or even underwater doing underwater combat, which is so cool. Um, you're unless <laughs> your you have whole a whole party drowns. And your whole party exactly. Yep. Forgot to cast on water breathing. Everyone's dead. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, if you're swimming, unless you have a swim speed, you're going to be moving at half speed. In addition, certain classes might actually give you boosts to your movement, like a monk or a barbarian have unarmored movement. So be aware of those things. If you're playing those classes, you might be able to move a lot faster than your allies mm. or enemies. Um, but another thing, so an example of like how this can be really dynamic in game. So I play a rogue, Umbra, um, and she is a tabaxi. Tabaxis have this feature called feline agility, which allows them to basically double their base movement speed for free. Um, and it's basically as many times as you want, but you have to move zero feet on a subsequent turn in order to get it back. So what that means is that I can effectively move 90 feet in one round and not even use my action as a rogue. So I, I move 30 feet. Then I use my feline agility to move 30 feet again, doubling my movement. Then as a rogue, I cunning action, bonus action, dash. I move, which doubles my base speed again, another 30 feet. Now, if I was really, really, really trying to get somewhere, (laughs) I could then use my action Action. (laughs) to move another 30 feet to a total of 120 feet. And let's just say- And go right off the map. (laughs) Right. Let's just say someone cast um, haste on me all of that would presumably be doubled. So the movement can be very critical, like you getting in the way of something, you getting to something before someone else. Like it's not just, you know, dilly dallying around the map. It is critically important. 
So next up would be interaction. And what that means is, is exactly what it sounds like, right? Like you interacting with the world or you interacting with your PCs or even you interacting with the enemy as part of your turn, you can interact with what's around you. And that can mean yelling something, yelling out a warning, trying to talk to them, trying to convince them of something, yelling out a quick strategy. The important thing to note here is that you have to remember it's all just six seconds, right? So you can't have this like extended conversation back and forth as part of your interaction because it goes, that was a terrible snap, but I tried to snap (laughs) and it goes really quick. It's just six seconds there. So keep that in mind if you want to do an interaction. Yeah. And, and also like, like Anna said, interacting with your environment, maybe you want to open a door, you want to push, push a a chair over, Um, you want to, uh, you know, drink, you know, drink a glass of beer um, as a, you know, just as a flavor thing as your interaction, you can totally do that. Um, uh, You'll, you'll hear sometimes people refer to this as a free action. There are no free actions really (laughs) in D and D that's something from the 3.5 era. Um, but uh, in D&D 5E, we call it interactions. I imagine interaction is kind of being able to pump just a little bit of role play into combat. Yes, 100%. Interaction is your way to keep the role. I mean, you can you can keep role play going through any of these things, right. really. Um, but interaction lets you really over the top flavor all of your abilities. Like I always try and like incorporate interactions to my turn so that you know, the players don't forget it's Umbra acting or it's me, you know, it's not me, it's my character. Right. Um, and it, it can really make combat fun. Um, but yeah, just be, you know, be creative with it. And, and you know what, it might be good to ask your DM sometimes, Hey, can I do X, Y, Z as an interaction? Because sometimes your DM will let you do something like search first, like make an, make an investigation check, which is normally an action. I, as a DM will sometimes let people do that as an interaction, just because I think ability checks, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little loosey goosey when it comes to that (laughs) stuff. So Anna, we now come to the one outlier. That's kind of a weird one. Yes. Because it doesn't necessarily happen on your turn, but it does happen within the round. Right. So we're talking about reaction. Okay. So you've already had your turn or your turn is coming up. Something happens in the world next to you or by you or that affects you and sometimes you're able to respond even before it's actually your turn yeah so joe would you like to give us an example of this sure so there's a few things and again like bonus actions it's really important that you understand you look at like the casting time of a spell you look you read um the abilities language to make sure you understand if it can be used as a reaction. Um, the, the most common reaction is something called an opportunity attack. So if you are within melee range of a creature, that means you are within that creature's melee range. So if you're fighting a huge creature, it might have a 10 foot reach. Um, so it's not just whether you, you are right next to it. It's whether you are within their melee range. Um, so long as you are within their melee range, um, and you run away out of their melee range without disengaging, um, they can make what's called an opportunity attack, which is just one swipe of a weapon. Um, if you have like the war caster feet, you can actually cast a spell. Um, 
But uh, it's very important to be aware of that because there are going to be times when you really want to move somewhere and use your action and you're not a rogue and can't disengage as a bonus action. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's just really important to be aware of what does and does not provoke opportunity attacks. But the the same uh, applies in the reverse, right? So if an enemy is within your melee range and then moves away on its turn, you can use your own reaction, even though it's not your turn, to take an opportunity attack on that enemy as long as you haven't taken a reaction already that turn. Right. Absolutely. Another example of of reactions, spells. Two come to mind immediately. One is shield. If you're a wizard, oh man, shield is such a great spell. It adds five to your AC until the start of your next turn. So you can change a potential hit of an attack into a miss. Um, Another one is absorb elements, which gives you resistance to a certain type of damage. Let's say someone casts fireball on your party and you're like, (laughs) oh crap, and you're right in the middle of it. Cast absorb elements, gain resistance to fire damage, and then your next attack actually is imbued with some fiery magic. Again, like we said, with all other, um, all these other things, if it's a spell, it will have a casting time and it will say that that casting time is one reaction. So just be aware of that. Um, The next thing is readying an action. Now we talked a little Uh, bit about this. Yes. We talked a little bit about this before. What does that mean? So if you on your turn, let's say you're waiting for something to happen. Like you're like another character is going to cast a spell. That's going to really make your, uh, that could make one of your attacks really powerful. You can go ahead and hold your action until a certain event triggers it. Um, that's the key word with all reactions is that reactions have to have triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, And as long as that trigger happens, you can use a reaction. Um, So with readied action, it's really important. We won't get into the super details of it, but basically you can only ready your action. You can't ready movement or interaction or bonus action. Um, You can only ready an action. um, And if you are casting a spell, then you actually and you ready a spell if you if the trigger doesn't happen if the trigger you specify doesn't happen then you actually lose that spell slot so right. it's really important to be conscious of what you're what you're listing as the trigger and what you're going to be holding at what what action you're specifically going to be holding Exactly. So specificity is important here and your DM will not let you get away with saying, I'm going to hold my action and that's all the detail you give. No, you have to be really descriptive and say, I'm going to hold a melee attack with my scimitar until the goblin on the right comes Mm -hmm. within melee range of me. And that hold action only applies until your next round, right? So it's just through one round um, and then if you start your next turn and that trigger never happened, then that action is just burnt. It's yep. gone and you didn't take any action at all. Yep, absolutely. So it's really important to be aware of that. Um, uh, the last one that we'll talk about is just in general, special abilities that count as reactions. So Anna, Jin, your bard just got access to one. Cutting words. That's right. Um, uh, you, you have you, you have this morphed like lore bard plus swords bard, which I love. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and y- you can use a bardic inspiration die to decrease uh, 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 an attack 
um, against one of your allies within a certain amount of feet. Our uh, druid, our star druid Heather, um, who was on the show, she has an ability that can you can add or um, take away a, a d6 roll from either an ally's roll or a uh, uh, an enemy's roll on certain things as a reaction. So again, really important to understand what the timing of those certain things are. Um, and last, I'll, I'll just sort of say, as Anna said, like every round is going to go by and you start initiative all over again from the top. When it comes to using reactions, it goes from the start of your turn to all the way through initiative and back again until it's your turn. You don't get a reaction back until it is your turn again. Mm -hmm. So if you use a reaction early on to cast shields and then you want to make an opportunity attack before your next turn happens, too bad, so sad, you've already <laughs> wasted your reaction. That was a lot to take in, but you'll notice that once you get the hang of what you can do for your actions and bonus actions, everything else tends to come pretty naturally and combat will be just a really, really fun part of playing D&D. That'll be where you get to kind of exercise the muscle of what your character is and what your class and race give you the abilities to do. Yeah. And just be aware that um, there are certain other things we didn't talk about that apply to combat that will come up. For example, like if you're a spellcaster, you can't cast a spell as an action and as a bonus action. Right. So um, it, it's only one or the other. So um, like you couldn't cast like as a as a cleric, you couldn't cast guiding bolt and spiritual weapon in the same turn. You have to wait to your next turn. But you um, can combine cantrips and spells. Yes, absolutely. So you could do sacred flame and healing word if you wanted. Um, yeah. But other than that, um, all you're going to have a million questions and that's totally <laughs> fine. It's important to understand that combat usually takes about an hour or more, even for experienced players in a simple combat and that's right. just how DD goes there's a lot of people involved there's a lot happening so don't be afraid to ask your dm questions and for new players uh and experienced players that are playing with new players know that it's going to be a bit of a learning curve so be patient and have fun yeah wow okay so we've covered the three main aspects of gameplay yeah. oh my god you guys <laughs> we're you're here bas you're basically ready to to go play D and D, I think we're gonna we're gonna we have a few more um, episodes in our sort of like our initial raw school before we do some deep dives into some uh, uh, classes and whatnot. But you basically have all the tools now um, to to go out there and start playing. Absolutely, so exciting! All right, well, Yay. until next time, pupils. Class is dismissed.